To the Ether. Today is Tuesday, April 12, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Talus. Talus Protocol is the NFT platform for independent artists on Terra. Talus helps to provide artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the NFT world. With their V1 launch coming soon, Talus will be the place to see real-world art reflected on Terra. Be sure to join their Telegram and follow Talus on Twitter for updates on their roadmap, validator, and other Talus news. Find your next favorite artist on talus.art. This episode of the Ether is also brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Follow Orbital Command on Twitter using the link in the show notes to receive regular threads on Terra protocols and yield strategies, news, resources, and Twitter space discussions. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. Today on the Ether, a CeFi space. Terra, Luna, AVAX, UST Today. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, good evening. Just kind of waiting for some folks to roll in a little bit. Uh, we've got a lot uh, happening today. Uh, exciting times. Uh, I hope you guys noticed that the uh world record breaking uh 115 foot wave at Nazare uh got documented on film that's pretty damn badass uh 115 foot wave coming out of the 16,000 foot deep Nazare canyon off the coast of Portugal like creates that just massive waves and um uh Sebastian something or another i forget his name I haven't heard of him before um kind of got the uh, world rec- world record breaking 115 foot wave which is just kind of breathtaking video if you haven't seen it um uh <laughs> like surprise the dude's not dead <laughs> it's a pretty damn big wave um anyway uh Zeus how are you Zeus you there yeah hey there y'all go. yeah did you catch that <laughs> pretty awesome huh yeah, the whole day was pretty awesome. It started with the Beethoven XAMA, and then it's just I, I'm like kind of speechless. Today was just so much alpha. It was it was almost crazy. Yeah. And Do Do dropped that alpha about some kind of metaverse game. I was so into it. I was like, whoa, what is this thing we're gonna get here in the future pretty soon? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, so a lot of news. Uh, uh, just generally speaking, um, we have um, of course. Uh, you know, the AMA today, if you didn't catch it, um, I'm sure it's recorded somewhere uh, with uh, Avalanche uh, hosting and uh, uh, Doe and the founder of uh, Avalanche were sort of chatting. We kind of had a chance to listen to that. Um, if you guys missed it, basically just discussing like the benefits of uh, really just the scalability of Avalanche subnets um, coupled with the power of uh, 
UST decentralized stablecoin within that space, and uh, ultimately creating lots of connections between uh, things like Terra DApps. Uh, he kind of gave a little shout out to Prism Protocol during that. He talked about, uh, I think, Nebula briefly as well. But the ability to kind of create cross-chain um, DeFi applications that uh, allow us to sort of like, whether you're on Avalanche or on Terra, ultimately, it'd be nice to be able to access um, the price action and um, utility of the various dApps without having to like, you know, run around uh, to too many chains. So I think this can be very powerful, especially since the Avalanche subnet concept is so similar to the IBC uh, uh, universe. Um, subnets actually sound substantially easier to deploy than, say, for example, a Cosmos chain. Um, although that's about to become, I think, easier as well with uh, what uh, Cosmos Atom is doing with interchain um, security and such. Uh, so just, yeah, a lot going on there. Uh, I think some mixture of uh, Avalanche, Cosmos, uh, Evmos had their, um, or I don't know how you, EVMOS, um, had an AMA today as well, uh, talking about, um, you know, bringing essentially EVM compatibility to a Cosmos chain, which is also pretty cool. So a lot of interconnected uh, sort of multi-chain um, stuff was discussed today and, um uh, you know, many of these things are really at the point of like fruition at this point. So it's not, uh, you know, it, it won't be vaporware for very long if you kind of have seen how Terraform Labs usually executes uh, as well as Avalanche. I think uh, I think this next year, the next two years um, will be truly remarkable as far as like what you said, uh, Zeus, like video gaming um, and uh, various sort of metaverse type activities, whatever you want to call them. Um, the, the game universe, uh, really is going to benefit from the subnets while the game universe will also benefit from, uh, global, uh, international stable coins. So the combination of the two, uh, speed and decentralized money, uh, you know, are really helpful because think about it this way. Let's say, um, there's a chain out there, whether it's a Kadena or whether it's Avalanche or whoever, and, or Solana, and they're able to create the high-speed networks necessary to do certain types of applications, um, UST immediately becomes faster, right? The ability to transact in UST becomes faster. A substantial portion of transactions with the universe uh, can actually happen via lots of these other high-speed chains, such that essentially, if you think about it, UST ultimately uh, you know, is scalable to every possible chain that emerges. And therefore, any chain that's accessible, you get higher velocity for UST. Um, you have so many options in terms of how to ultimately spin up, let's say a bank that's connected via UST. And um, you, know, you could quickly um, deploy either via Cosmos IBC uh, and a new Cosmos chain or uh, an Avalanche subnet uh, to achieve your, your outcome. So for example, like just a practical example of that would be, let's say um, it, it just became too busy on Terra to host um, all of the transactions that happen via Anchor Protocol or an Astroport. Uh, you can ultimately take an Astroport and park it on either a Cosmos chain specifically, or you could park it on um, an Avalanche subnet or some combination of both with liquidity pools 
that um, actually sit on both chains and or say like a Cadena uh, subchain. Um, there's just so many possibilities as far as like just you know cross-chain applications that way, whatever advantages that uh, particular chain has, uh, you, you, you can take advantage of it. So, we, you know, UST sort of becomes like, think about lots of different types of animals. Each of them have, you know, different features, like some birds have wings and some, you know, uh, uh, animals that swim under the water and they have gills. Um, in, in, in this case, like what, what we are as UST is the oxygen, right? It, we're basically, uh, can be used by all of these various different creatures. And, um, the, the quicker we become like the native oxygen or the native sort of fuel that runs DeFi in this, in the, in this shape of like the stable coin universe, the quicker, I think, uh, everyone succeeds. And it's, it was a pretty exciting AMA. Uh, Doe and uh, Emin did a pretty good job with, uh, like elucidating the benefits of both platforms. Yeah, Emin was also speaking on the fact of being able to program game components uh, again, which was really cool. And uh, I asked to speak, but it was not enough time. But I was going to ask about the the possibility of a world where the new superset of um, Cosmosm that they've created called was originally called CW um, CW Script. It got renamed to Stable Script, actually from from a funny conversation between uh, the main developer there. And uh, Wincall is his name. And um, Doe, they had a funny exchange where Wincall sort of asked like somebody to rename CW Script because everybody told him it was a terrible name. So Doe responded with Stable Script. So it became Stable Script is the new name of this superset that compiles sort of to uh, Cosmosm. Um, an interesting play here would be to make that compile to Solidity or anything. Um, and then Tarot could, you know, sort of step in and make Stable Script sort of the superset that compiles to multiple different um, chain contract languages. Uh, sort of an interesting take there. I wonder if that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. So many exciting uh, kind of possibilities. I didn't hear about the the details with what's happening with Cosmosm or ideas behind that. But that was during what, another AMA or discussion? Or was that just like tweet, tweet storm or something? It was hidden in the the, the forest of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So you're you're yeah. sort of digging up this alpha here as far as like the collaboration of possibilities. Yeah, it, there, yeah. there's so many um, sort of obvious interactions uh, that need to be developed to build certain applications for sure. That, but um, obvious, but not necessarily like obvious in implementation, especially when you have to like retrofit them to existing sort of paradigms and what have you. So yeah, there, there may be very much uh, certain applications that are going to work better on um, like uh, a Cadena network or Avalanche, you know, or Solana that, you're, that are designed. Some of them are designed for decentralization. Some of them are not heavily designed for that. They're designed for just speed. Uh, but that's fine, right? Because there's a lot of applications where decentralization is not really, quote, you know, like it's really not that important. You know, if you're if you're playing a video game, you know how decentralized that video game is not the biggest of your concerns. <laughs> you're more interested in how fun the game is, or maybe um, how you pay for that game, or how you get paid in the game, or whatever. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff there. The other uh, interesting announcement today, if you didn't catch it, is the um, Binance uh, US is going to have Terra Native UST. Um, I've never had a reason to use Binance US, but uh, that certainly creates a more compelling reason to use it. I'm curious to investigate actually 
what their fees are and what kind of infrastructure they have on Binance US uh, as compared to, say, for example, the fees for native UST on a Kraken or a little bit of the pain in the ass that um, Crypto.com is for large, large transactions. Um, of course, uh, Coinbase still doesn't have native UST for reasons that are um, beyond me. Uh, and uh, Gemini, uh, at least in the U.S., um, has typically been kind of a little bit high on fees as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm cur- I'm going to investigate Binance U.S. a little bit now that they have UST and see what they're doing. But remember what I was mentioning before, all of these exchanges that are incorporating UST become huge money sinks for all that extra UST. So when people say, you know, when, you know, those that exit... Um, you know, Anchor Protocol, what's going to happen to the value of UST if, you know, Anchor Protocol's yields go down? Well, for, for starters, the amount, the, the the billions we're talking about that are sitting in Anchor are literally a drop in the bucket. They're basically nothing. And um, when it comes to centralized exchanges and their sort of war chests of stables and other things. So it's all we have to do really is um, make great applications for UST, um, have lots of interesting um uh, again, use cases, utility, and what will end up happening is is all of those exchanges will themselves just simply hold on to the UST, right? They, they're not going to go and convert it back to Luna. What for? Like they're going to need uh, stable coins anyway. I mean, why would they want to have to mess with the price volatility of Luna specifically, unless that's an investment they want to make? They don't need to do that. They can just simply uh, keep the UST that people d- drop there in exchange for other things, which is pretty cool. Um, so I, there, there is a huge amount of uh, possible like absorption space for UST among the centralized exchanges, a huge amount of space. Like um, it can't be understated. I mean, if you think about like USDC, that's a 50 billion market cap approximate. Uh, Tether is another 80. So, um, you know, holding a billion worth of UST on some of these centralized exchanges uh, would be considered sort of nominal for, say, for example, like Binance, who holds you know, they buy, you know, a billion worth of Tether at a stretch, right? Like you see when whale alerts um, <laughs> show how much uh, gets purchased at any given moment. These are sort of like peanuts to them, uh, relatively speaking. So I think I think there's plenty of uh, uh, plenty of room for ab- absorbing that UST. And we shouldn't really worry about you know, nuances such as like, where's that UST going to go when anchor yield goes down this traditional FUD that keeps kind of like playing out as if like exchanges aren't going to acquire UST. Um, anyway, uh, any other news that uh, popped up for you? Those are some pretty big ones. There's another one with Near Protocol, I think. Uh, DYDX um, announced uh, there's going to be UST on their platform as well, if uh, you caught that message earlier. Um, I've never used them before, so I'm not sure what all they do exactly, but uh, certainly worth investigating. Um, the DYDX platform, which is a play on the letters you know, differential of Y over differential of X or whatever. It's kind of a, it's, <laughs> sure. it's just a calculus name. Anyway, um, uh, always right. What's up? Yeah, I was just going to say some more news today. Um, some of you may not have seen Alice Finance now has uh, their app available in Google Play for Android, the beta version. Still need an invite code, which I know they're out there. I know I don't see Lucky in the room, but I know Lucky was – kind of onboarding a lot of people but uh if you have the android phone and and uh one alice finance the beta version is now in the google play store okay so it wasn't yes. there before it was only on iphone and now it's on android as well cool 
That's amazing. <laughs> that's not why I came up here, but that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of news today. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. What's up? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I think DYDX is like one of the higher, if not the highest uh, volume decentralized exchange. So that's really cool to, to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, remember we were mentioning this before, like the more exchanges, and that's a futures platform, which is exciting because in a, in a futures platform, there's usually the entire purpose of that would be like intense trading activity, which um, which should register as more, um, which should register ultimately as more traded volume of UST, which um, when people, remember I mentioned this over and over again, when people lock up um, UST into trading contracts. Um, that's a much, much more sticky. Yeah, that's use awesome. Case. Yeah, it's a much more sticky use case in the early days compared to say the ability to buy coffee with UST or something like that. Um, right. Which, which uh, you know, which can be coming too. By the way, with the with the significant amount of. Um, I buy my uh, coffee every day with UST, like literally every day. But I'm not like everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it certainly. Uh, it's it's very feasible now. Well, you could just get yourself Starbucks gift cards now, right? Or whatever the hell you want, you know, to, to yeah, buy yeah. too. So, um, yeah, it, all that's possible already, of course. But what I was getting at is um, the the um, the the highest amount of volume early on will typically not be the buying of coffee. It'll be these kinds of things that can lock up, let's say, the first hundred billion of UST into um, the world of crypto over the next. Um, like, you know, a couple of years or whatever. And then uh, beyond that, it's uh, then you get to the um, demand. The consumer then demands to be able to use these things on various platforms like uh, Stripe, Strike, um, Shopify, things like that. So uh, Apple Pay um, is uh, 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 clearly uh, moving in this direction from comments that, uh, you know, Tim Cook has made. Um, you know, it's, it's with Apple, it's always very subtle because, um, you know, anything that they say moves markets, right? Yeah. So, what, did, what did he say? If you, if you had to, well, I, I won't ask you to interpret it here, but what did he say? Well, there's a couple of things that they've made, uh, uh, they, they've alluded to. Uh, one is that, uh, uh, in the classic Apple way, they're always very shy about what they want to say about crypto. Yeah, of course. Think, but if you think for a second, like a company that big with that many sparks, they probably already own it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the idea that they don't understand crypto is like just beyond um, asinine, right? Like, so I, I know that. Um, so, so the way Apple works typically is um, before they can deploy to literal, you know, billion plus users of devices and such, <laughs> you, you ha they have to be. Um, they have to build a use case and an infrastructure that that really is worth their time and that they can be sure is going to be used at scale, right? So they don't get into things super early. Like if people aren't ready to buy freaking coffee with Bitcoin, they don't have any urgency to include it in something like Apple Pay. That's just not what they do. Um, this is true of lots of technologies. It goes back to sort of Jobs long ago, where his basic philosophy um, for Apple was, you know, you don't like you don't get a technology, you get a bunch of engineers put together and then decide how to like, you know, produce something for the consumer. You say to yourself, what does the consumer want? And ultimately, uh, or what do they not realize they 
want and then figure out how to build the technology to get to that final outcome and that's one of their sort of key uh key points and that takes sometimes years sometimes it takes decades to achieve that right because there are certain technologies uh, that aren't ready yet um you know i think uh if we can quickly ramp up to the point where ust is um larger than circle uh that's super important uh it's super important because the global reach of UST will then actually exceed Circle because Circle tends to be more of a US-based uh, utility. Like in Asia, not a lot of people use USD. They tend to use Tether for now. But if we can get to the point where um, uh, if we get to the point where actually UST is larger than those, and ultimately uh, you're forced to um, uh, you're basically forced to include UST in any kind of crypto-based uh, infrastructure. So you, you want to create that situation where it's the obvious choice to incorporate along with uh, whatever else that they're doing. Because, um, like, you know, the reality is, like, you know, how many people are going to be wanting to spend their Litecoin with Apple Pay? I mean, it's just nonsense, right? Like, the, 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 it just makes no sense at all to to spend the time and the effort to build that out. Um, maybe or, we can, uh, yeah. maybe we can like pitch a UST on Shark Tank to to like, you know, to Shark Tank. That'd be kind of funny. I'll do it. <laughs> You're going to go do it. You're going to be like, <laughs> yeah, give me like a couple months to prepare and I'll pitch UST. I'll just like not, I won't tell them anything and then it'll be like a USD pitch. What's, what is funny though is that all of that Shark Tank crowd thought Bitcoin was stupid. I don't know if anyone of you remember this. Like, you know, I remember when the rest of us smart people were talking about it years ago, like it was, um, you know, and, and telling all our friends and telling our family and <laughs> helping people understand it. And, you know, there are people writing books about Bitcoin and everything else. And these people just kept calling it stupid and didn't see what a big deal it was. And now it's like all of them have jumped on the, the train, the Mark Cuban. Yeah, now suddenly the circle's involved. Like... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, part of that is because once you're sort of already wealthy, um, there is kind of like um, the, there is not an imperative necessarily to seek out alpha on the next big things. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it was an interesting play, but t t it's funny how you could be like, it it's funny how CNBC is so late to the game, right? Like, remember when we were, I was saying like, Hey, you know, CNBC is not even talking about, um, it's really interesting to watch, right? Like they're, yeah. they're so late. CNBC is so late. And actually Doe was on, I think yesterday for CNB CNBC on, on one of the, you know, like little crypto channels that someone posted, um, a, a, uh, that, that like, a CNBC actually posted that on Twitter. I think yesterday, by the way. Um, so if someone didn't catch that, those those usually are not very in-depth conversations. And no, honestly, the crypto reporting on TV is stupid. Like, it's really, really bad. It's so, pretty uh, carefully crafted, too. Like, on yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's, it's crafted in the sense that, like, again, CNBC doesn't like the idea of them themselves moving small market cap, you know, situations. So, um, you know, people always joke about how, you know, when CNBC talks about it, it's the top. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a common occurrence that they tend to like to talk about stuff when it's in the green. They don't really like to talk about stuff when it's in the red. Um, and that that's also a problem. <laughs> but at least this time they talked about the Terra while it was on a pullback, at least, which is probably good. Um, anyway, yeah, the, uh, the, the, you know, a lot happening. And, uh, I think that, uh, uh, just imagine like where we are compared to a year ago 
and uh, where we're going to be a year from now. If you think about it, like this is what we're in, uh, let's see, April, right? And the May crash for Luna happened last May. Uh, yeah, obviously <laughs> the May crash happened in May. The May crash uh, happened and, uh, you know, Luna hit uh, like three, four bucks. And um, a lot of us noticed it and, um, you know, kind of, you know, bought a lot at that time. And, you know, we're standing here in follow-up. But the funny thing is like, we're at a major uh, pullback. We've had a couple of major pullbacks really in the last few months. And uh, people had a lot of good opportunity to grab some Luna and be involved and, and, and be involved in the ecosystem. And I think the way people should think about Luna is, you know, this is your chance to basically own a piece of the network. This is not, don't think of it as a financial instrument. Don't think about anything else. It's like, how much of Terra do you want to own? And in Web3, that's the magic of Web3. The, the idea that you can own a piece of the actual network and it's yours. It's like physically yours. And, um, you know, that custody is yours. And this is not the same thing as, say, for example, buying, you know, an Apple stock or a Google stock or something like that. It's, uh, which, which sort of translates to ownership. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it's more physically interconnected in a sense. It's more mathematically interconnected and, uh, it's, it's more predictable in the sense that it's tokenomics and everything. Um, you know, ownership of a crypto network is just different in a web three environment than ownership of a stock or something like that. But it's very, it's very exciting, very compelling. It, it does make you sort of one with the system, so to speak at some level. <laughs> and, um, it's a tremendous amount of fun. So yeah, any other big news that you guys have heard? Anything uh, fancy you're you're doing with your your DeFi uh, stuff right now, Phil? Uh, I like that. I like the Anchor token went on Mars. That's cool. I uh, I borrowed against some Anchor token just to have some some stuff to reinvest. Ooh. So what happened and how? What do I do? Uh, you just you deposit the anchor token and then you you borrow the money. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a clean UX. It's it's just a straightforward uh, straightforward so how much deposit. Else so how much what are we what are we borrowing and like is it UST? And well, you can you can just borrow UST. You can borrow uh, Luna ANC or UST, uh, but obviously like UST makes the most sense at least for what I'm doing. So this allows you to basically keep your anchor token while. Doing what? Yeah. So what did you, what did you do with the what you, you know, borrowed off your anchor token for? What did you? Uh, I bought I bought some Astro and staked it, and I bought some Mars, and uh, I bought some more some more Meow tokens and some Spec. Okay, so you just sort of like diversified from that token. You yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a uh, like like I think this is a pretty good time to like yeah spread some capital out. So that's what I did. But basically, you're giving up any kind of governance rights on your ank, but at least you're keeping the governance rights away from somebody else, I suppose, right? Or wait, yeah, actually, you're I actually suppose. technically you're lending the ank, so someone else yeah. could borrow it and and use it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I've kind of decided on the ANC token really that uh, as the you know as the kind of price goes up and down. You know, I'm using the ink that I'm receiving for borrowing off my Luna, and I'm just holding on to it because I think the is such a relatively important protocol that um, we we really shouldn't leave that protocol to the whims of the uh, uh, um, random idiots that show up later. 
that don't know what they're doing and like vote for stupid shit. Right. So like <laughs> ultimately like that, all, all the more reason to hold some then. So that works yeah. out. So then, the, then, the, I'm, the then I'm hanging on to it. <laughs> yeah. The governance of voting rights, uh, <laughs> people think those are not a big deal until um, they own enough of the network. So in other words, when you're, when your Luna is worth uh, 10,000 bucks and you don't have enough power on the network and someone wants to do some stupid shit and you can't make a decision one way or the other, then you're going to be like, Oh, I wish I didn't uh, get rid of my the anchor borrow also. Uh, went up it's like at negative two and a half now which is not you know that's not so bad yeah actually what that i was actually analyzing that specifically so what phil's uh, describing is the um the cost to borrow on anchor uh if you look at the interest rate the interest rate is affected by a couple of factors one is that if the ank tokens value goes up then typically the cost to borrow goes down because you're getting sort of paid in anchor tokens as a reward for borrowing for the next couple of years, right? So right now, the ANK token actually is quite depressed in price. It dropped along with um, the rest of the crypto market and this sort of, or the altcoin market, so to speak, and then just kind of like languishing a little bit. But um, what you'll notice is, is that the cost to borrow, though, despite the fact that the ANK token has gone down, is only like 25 or 2.7% in the negative. And if you look at that, what that implies is, it's actually quite important. It means that um, people are not taking on very much leverage at this point. They're either got, a lot of people got wrecked in terms of their leverage and got um, liquidated, or and, and therefore the number of borrowers has kind of gone down a bit uh, because that algorithm automatically adjusts the interest rate, the cost to borrow, is actually adjusted according to how many borrowers are on the platform. So when it's oversubscribed, the cost to borrow goes up. When it's undersubscribed, the cost to borrow goes down. And generally, if the, when the cost to borrow goes down, that's usually when Luna goes up in price, ultimately, because it usually means that most of the leverage has been um, kicked off the system. Most of the long positions have been taken out. And um, basically, uh, there's a lot more upside because either A, people have a lot of borrowing potential, uh, or, or B, um, you know, spot buyers come in and buy Luna not on leverage. And these are more likely to be long-term sort of hodlers or whatever. So think about it. Like, if someone buys Luna today, they've never uh, seen Terra before, they have no idea what it is, and they go get themselves some Luna today um, while there's very little leverage in the system, they don't have a compelling reason to sell their Luna until, you know, most people typically sell something like retail customers usually sell if something like two X's, um, they'll certainly sell if something three X's, right? So the new, every pullback represents and every new and every new user that enters that pullback represents a new person that has a new expectation of return on investment, right? So if someone has Luna from a dollar, and it goes to $100, um, you know, uh, plus, you know, it only has to go up 10% and you're making a, 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 a crap ton increase in your in your actual portfolio, right? Is this what they call cost basis? Just to yeah, to keep yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's just the new expectation of your return on investment expectation is different when you enter, right? So for example, when someone buys Bitcoin at 3000 and they're expecting it to go to 100000 uh, that's one expectation. Um, you know, the now, but if someone comes in and buys Bitcoin at, let's say, 40,000, they might be expecting it to go to a million, right? So the 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 long-term investor, you know, revises their upward projection 
um, and their thesis the moment that they buy, especially the new buyer, right? So you want lots of new people coming in, new wallets being created. And um, it's not to say that that's like Ponzi-nomics. It's just true of any asset. Um, it's true of uh, stocks. It's true of anything. A new in, new investor. I think the problem the problem would be investors. if you did not have new investors, right? Like that would be that'd be your issue if you yeah, didn't have although, new investors, <laughs> or, or 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 existing investors didn't want to to buy more, right? That would be another thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I I continue to get more um, every month, despite the fact that I have uh, you know bought sizable quantities all the way from like. $4 all the way on up. So I, I just continue to sort of get some every month. And that's just normal for me. Um, until, you know, until I see that the opportunity, um, either on Terra or otherwise, uh, you know, I see something really that excites me that I want to follow, right? Like, there's no need to sort of, that you have to do that. But I, 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 you know, so that's where I take small amounts and I grab you know, a little bits of um, Astroport and I got a little bit of Mars. That's how it is right now for me personally. It's like a smorgasbord. I like yeah. it. So what usually happens is, is uh, let's say, uh, you know, Luna does a 10x, you know, over the course of a, a year or two. And um, and then the, the rest of the coins on Terra, typically, along with the growth of that network, will um, and the growth of your collateral value, typically everything will go up as a result. So uh, as Luna climbs, all of the other uh, sub tokens on the network will generally do it probably 10 or 20 X over that time period, usually depending on their tokenomic design and distribution. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not guaranteed that they'll all behave the same, but traditionally um, the ecosystem coins benefit from the primary asset going up in value. Um, Bryce, uh, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, um, I was just, I wanted to piggyback off of the Mars uh, deposit with Anchor. Uh, I just had a quick thought and I was thinking, you know, what if you deposit Anchor and you borrow with Anchor, right? So at that point, uh, you're not exposed to being liquidated. And if you can catch Anchor at a high price and then that way you can, you know, I guess convert it for UST. Just to clarify, when you say borrow with Anchor, do you mean borrow the Anchor? Because on Mars, you can borrow the Anchor token or UST. So what do you mean? So like, uh, I would basically deposit Anchor and then borrow the same asset. So you're borrowing the Anchor token. Okay. Right, right. So you borrow Anchor to get more Anchor. Yeah, which is reasonable considering that like yeah, you can... when, when an asset's price is down, that's precisely the best time to do exactly what you said because the the downside um risk has already been sort of partly taken out and on top of that the upside um possible move on what you just got with your borrow is also higher so then both your collateral and your primary asset can both go up simultaneously so uh yeah, yeah. It's, it's the basic principle of taking a leverage long at the bottom right a good way a good way to play that might be uh and this is not you know financial advice but uh what i would do is uh i would i would borrow the anc tokens and you can enter the mars or i would enter the uh the mars farm the Mars leveraged uh, ANC UST farm with that. And you can actually like enter that with your borrowed ANC tokens is a good, is, or, you know, I would, I would do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good low risk uh, strategy too, Phil, because 
Yeah, well, that's a, it's a, it's a good play. That, low yeah. risk as in your your interest yield is actually mitigating some of the price volatility as well. Yeah, and, and you're going to earn, you're you're earn either UST or ANC. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of a, it's almost a hedge of sorts. Yeah, it's kind of a hedge and, and, and not quite as aggressive as taking ANC to buy ANC, but just using ANC to get um, the LP if you want to do that. But And with the, uh, with the Mars uh, leverage farm, you're getting actually like a really healthy APY on the ANC AOST because it's like a, you can do like a 1.8 leverage or like, like whatever, you know, you feel comfortable with, but, uh, but you can boost the yield pretty high. Another option would be is you borrow off of it um, and then you, I guess you could park the ANC UST in, um, in Astroport too, right? That would that be another? Yeah, yes, yeah, case? that would be good too. I don't think you're gonna get the APY, but but that would be good too. Well, meaning that like uh, the, the the benefit to that would be you're getting, um, you're getting the the Astroport from it as opposed to necessarily like a yeah. auto compounder benefit. Um, yeah, the negative like, would be yeah. just that you uh, you have to use some UST for that. So, like the nice thing about the Mars is like you could when you leverage farm, you don't deposit the UST. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, great. So, that, so that's like it's it's really capital efficient, but uh, it's, sing, it's single sided. You don't, you don't have yeah. to find the UST somewhere else. Yeah, so you can so you can just directly borrow the ANC tokens and then enter the leverage farm, and you don't have to like put the other side of UST. You don't have to put the entire side. I should say you should put some. So that's up to like everyone to decide. Yeah. So that's anyway. That's kind of fresh news because the ability to deposit um, anchor tokens on Mars is a new thing as well. So yeah, some uh, yeah, a lot of little news tidbits today. Uh, DeFi Punk, what's up? You there? <laughs> I kind of like ninja calling people. <laughs> you got rugged, maybe. Huh? We're like having one conversation, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, it's like boom. <laughs> hey. Hey guys. Yeah. Hey, uh, just a question. You guys were talking about, uh, you know, buying Luna all the way up from last summer and everything. And uh, I sent you a tweet there. Um, but what, what I noticed was that um, the price spiked, uh, you know, before May and then went down and then went back up. Right. And then if you graph, um, if you graph the Luna market cap divided by the UST market cap, and then you compare that against the uh, the price of Luna. What you see is that since last summer, they kind of went up together. And then when Luna hit about forty dollars, I think that's when the DGen box opened and they started printing a lot of Luna or uh, a UST. Sorry. And and I noticed that uh, since then there's been a divergence. Luna price went up, and the Luna market cap divided by UST went down significantly. Um, and it looks like. Um, that divergence may play out as like, you know, the market is underpricing Luna and it'll jump soon once more UST is adopted or, uh, you know, possibly, um, yeah, it would divert the other way, right? Yeah. I tend to agree that it went, when Luna's at a, a, the market cap of Luna should be at least a two X compared to UST. It's similar to kind of how like a rune sort of works. Um, I, I think, like, just from a mental framework perspective, I think that correlation's about right. So I would say that uh, there's not a lot of, um, I would say at current Luna price, there's not a lot of speculative excess uh, in the pricing and in, in, in the way I look at it. And therefore, now and anywhere before under the current price, 
is really a, a good place to be, uh, you know, grabbing more if you're going to be doing so. Um, is kind of my my theories how how I've been w- watching this. So I have not personally uh, taken on any new leverage at this point. Um, I I, th- I have bought spot all the way down to like eighty one bucks, and I think the seventy to eighty dollar range. Um, I, I might sort of nibble at throwing some leverage into the mix uh, on anchor again. Uh, but like I said yesterday, it's like I. I I've already sort of leveraged at around 75-ish bucks. Um, and I tend to get a little bit more aggressive if the Luna, bonded Luna arbitrage is also present on Astroport because I can immediately get an extra, you know, 1% Luna, then that increases my likelihood of uh, sort of going ahead with using some leverage or uh, borrow some UST uh, park it on Kujira, which gives you 15% AUST interest, and then park that there. That's a, I think, very legit um, sort of safe way to play it as well, so that you can capture yourself a little bit of relatively cheap Luna. Um, it may not hit though. The reason I don't sometimes I don't like Kujira is because it leaves it to the to the whims of like the algorithm to decide whether to buy or not. And sometimes I have a sense of I don't know where I believe um, a bottom might have emerged, and maybe at that point is like there's not that much leverage left to knock off on Kujira. Like for example, right now, if you look at the seventy-five to eighty-dollar range, there's not many loans on Anchor comparatively. So the chances of filling a Kujira bid start going down. In which case, I may be better off just manually buying uh, Luna per my usual strategy, and. Um, Anyway, not, not only that, to Nala's earlier point a couple of days ago, like basically you're just <clears throat> kind of screwing yourself because usually when the liquidation, when the environment is, is like suitable for liquidations, there's generally like spikes, like high price volatility. So it usually just spikes through, fills your bids when everyone gets liquidated and then continues to drop another like 10%. So you essentially just bought the top of that range. Oh yeah. So in other words, it, you, yeah, and, and and the other, and if you to avoid that, you would have to pick like a five percent discount or something like that, which did get hit on Kujira this time, but it's just not that common, right? It's it's just uh, yeah, you'd be really, better it, off like. It, did you guys see that someone someone hit a twenty percent uh, like bid on on the Adam on Kujira? Did you guys see that? That's amazing, really. Like how yeah, yeah, that. like a like a like a full order too. Like it was pretty insane. That's amazing. Uh, so maybe we should be participating in the bonded atom. <laughs> that's a good way to get some B atom because you know that's actually makes sense because if he got twenty percent, remember the yield on bonded atoms like fifteen or sixteen percent right now, yeah. which is and badass. I think also uh, people are people are also excited and leveraging that asset and that asset is like uh, like more inflationary and more likely to go down. You know, so you like, might have some anchor- maybe, maybe it makes more sense. <laughs> you might have some anchor newbies that don't know what the hell they're doing too, just like. Over yeah, the- that's exactly. That was my <laughs> they have they haven't really like you know been uh, they haven't been through the trial by fire and um, they need to get liquidated a few times to understand like what not. <laughs> this is my chance. <laughs> this is our chance to play some bids. Actually, the bids actually help those people in a sense because otherwise their liquidations would be even worse. Um, so it is protecting them to some extent. So you can you can uh, play the uh, moral high ground here. Uh, <laughs> bros uh i think bros had a uh, the ghost had a question or comment go ahead man bros you there hey sorry yeah i am here um so 
uh, I wanted to bring up something. I haven't seen much talk of it, but and I don't know how recently, if I maybe just missed it, but on Spec Finance's page, they were, they're sort of like promoting this Aperture Finance app um, now, right? And so, I mean, I'm really excited about it because like it's basically that sort of hedging mirror strategy all put into one uh, tool. Um, just wondering people's thoughts on it. I, it they're sort of ha- I don't know if it's sort of like in a beta right now, and it's like a two thousand dollar limit for now. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is the one the one thing about it is that two thousand dollar limit, but uh, but it's cool. It's it seems cool. It's a delta neutral strategy or whatever it's called, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's a delta neutral strategy, all packaged for you. I think I'm sort of looking like if you you know the first you have to stay locked in for. You know, basically, you just follow Mirror's rules, but, you know, for their different strategies. But it it makes it much more accessible in my mind because I've, you know, since a year ago, like I've always wanted to be in Mirror's, but I just, it's a little too much, you know, keeping track of it all, in my opinion. So this, yeah, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. This could be an interesting thing. Um, The Delta Neutral could be an interesting thing in conjunction with uh, Luna X. So if you look at uh, mirror finance, uh, you know how you can sort of like short an asset like the S&P 500, like um, Hutch was mentioning, and you can um, generally rely on the fact that Luna is probably long-term going to beat the S&P 500 with with flying colors. But in the meantime, what you borrow there, instead of getting um, Luna, you could go with the Delta Neutral, which actually allows you to have a very low-risk exposure. And uh, if the delta neutral strategy is making you 25 to 30%, that's really, really good yield on your Luna, um, at least on the portion that, you know, you're borrowing off of. So that might be a possible avenue for that uh, capital. Um, or, you know, if you're borrowing an anchor and your cost to borrow is 2.5% or 3%, and you're getting the benefit of a yield that's closer to 25 to 30%, uh, and it's uh, delta neutral, meaning that you don't have to deal with any real serious uh, like price exposure risks. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, like the guy said, it's kind of a small scale right now. They're not allowing very much capital to enter there at the moment. I think they're just making sure everything works. So, and, and you know, there's not really a rush to do this thing either. Like Aperture Finance, it looks interesting to me, but not so interesting that I need to go and like worry that I need to get in early or something like that. I think the the... Uh, keep an eye on the thing over the next month or two, probably flag the site, bookmark it, and then kind of keep that in your armament of possible places to deploy uh, capital. But I don't know that I would rush into it, just, you know, make sure their audits are done and yada, yada, yada. So something to uh, certainly a place to play, play a little bit if uh, that price exposure makes sense to you. Uh any other comments, bros? Or oh, yeah, just of... um, no. Thanks for that. I just think it's also just um, like interesting, like because I think um, you know the nexus, you know those strategies that we sort of talked about several months ago quite often. You know, I think it, this is great. Comp- good to have competition right between those. So I feel like there's going to be crossover and similarities down the road between both. So it'll be really interesting to see how those play out. But thanks for taking that. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, yeah, definitely more news is that Aperture Finance uh, uh, is is live and open, just sort of an early phase right now. Um, Flo, uh, any comments? Hey there. Um, Yeah. So just curious if you guys have any good suggestions for like something where you can transfer money from your bank account to some sort of like UST uh, digital 
bank type thing where you also have a debit card. You know, are there any good options these days? You yeah. Know, you, there's and then, like, maybe the, the 20% yeah, there's as well? There's several good ones. Um, the ones I would jot down are uh, Outlet Finance is one. Uh, wait, what, you're, you're in the U.S., I'm assuming? Um, I travel I travel the world, so I'm kind of like in different places every few months, every three to six months I'm somewhere else. So let me think. Um, but like you, you have to, I guess, uh, do you have a place where your residence is, is where that way I can kind of clarify which ones will work. But I know Alice Finance, uh, and I don't know if their debit card's been released yet or not. Um, uh, it might be. Uh, you can look into Alice is outlet finance i believe their debit card is released it's a u.s based only at the moment but that doesn't mean your debit card won't work uh around the world um because these are on visa and mastercard networks essentially um they function like a true debit card not a prepaid uh, card which increases the possible vendors that actually accept them um what else there's uh cash.io which i don't know if they've released a card yet there's um uh cato ramp or i think yeah kado uh with cato money which has the ability to um onload on ust onto a wallet but doesn't yet have a debit card yet i don't think i think outlets the first also probably the second to actually have cards And do they have uh, the twenty percent, uh, or you know, I know it's going to be lower soon or something. Yeah. Do they yes. have that? Uh, yeah, they'll thing have as anchor well? protocol sort of baked in. I know Outlet does. I know Alice does. <laughs> Outlet's a bit more interesting in that you're you're still on. It provides you with a, a non-custodial wallet, so you're basically on a Terra wallet. You can do all the Terra D five stuff also. Um, whereas Alice is less versatile from that perspective. You can on ramp UST and off ramp it, but it doesn't have um, it's almost a bit more of a custodial sur- solution in, in practice. So, uh, it, yeah, they're slightly different. I would just look into the different ones, but outlets, the one that has the debit card, like now, I think, um, making that a little bit easier for you. Cool. Yeah. A huge Thank amount you. of the debit card things, uh, MasterCard visa have been so overwhelmed by various companies trying to deploy their various debit cards. This is probably going from like a $1 billion to like a $10 billion plus industry within a year. And um, that's caused uh, some growing pains as far as the, um, the, the, just the number of crypto companies and chains or whatever that are trying to deploy this sort of shit. So that's what all the hang up is all about. Um, it's, it's just a, between uh, whatever requirements those companies have to have in order to you know have actual record keeping for debit cards and be able to you know create the infrastructure plus visa and mastercard's own sort of bottlenecks that's been where the where the the slowdown has been so i think everyone will expect to within i think two years i think a majority of people at least in the west are going to expect the ability to use their crypto via some kind of debit card or some kind of payment system uh, before something eventually arrives that um, hopefully eliminates the need for uh, debit cards and credit cards at all, where essentially you eliminate all those like fees in the middle for businesses. Uh, that's, I think, the holy grail, which, you know, it's simply a matter of time before those kind of solutions emerge, in my view, just because they're obvious utilities that people want. Uh, and, and it's just, it, it, it'll happen.
anyway, um, always right. Uh, or DeFi Punk, you had another comment regarding that? Yeah, I wanted to share a strategy with you guys. Um, I don't know what you guys Go think, ahead. but uh, I, got, I got a pretty good entry point on uh, uh, Luna and Astro. And I was also thinking about starting Bitcoin mining. But actually, I found that with the same amount of capital, if you get a good entry point on some of these coins and uh, provide leverage or uh, provide LP positions, you can take the rewards and uh, use uh, you can use ThorSwap now, broker finance or or ThorSwap, and just swap it right for Bitcoin. And actually, um, I'm making uh, more than I would if I had uh, bought a uh, like a 100 uh, terahash miner. Um, that way, so uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so you're saying that DeFi is faster than actual miners? Yeah, I figured that. Yeah, too. I figured you know you, you spend you spend 10k on a miner, you'll you'll get it, you'll get your Bitcoin payback, you know, after pool fees and stuff after about two years. Uh, with DeFi, you throw 10k, and if you get if you're intelligent about when you buy the coin uh, and how you provide LP, you can you can pay off the 10k in like a year or less. Which is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, cool. Yeah, uh, always right. Comments? Yeah, just a kind of a question. I see the Luna liquid circulating supply dropped about four and a half million today. Do we know why there was a, such a huge chunk that was staked today? And then also, you know, as, as we get down to say 80, 70, 60, 50 million as far as the liquid circulating supply, do we expect to see any type of price action with that? So I think what uh, what I heard uh, someone mention, and I don't know, I guess this is hearsay, so I'm not 100% sure, but my understanding was that that 1.2 million drop, um, it's also in the total supply. I believe that may be an LFG uh, tranche of um, uh, Luna that was burned to UST. And um, that, you know, that was already in the circulating supply count. Therefore, it um, dropped, you know, that that number. But as far as, yeah, um, the actual direct effect, we've talked about this on many spaces, the, the direct effect of scarcity on the price of a coin um, tends to sort of like, it, it's not like visibly noticeable on short time frames, like within a day or a month or even a few months sometimes. But over the course of, say, um, a year or two years, the effect is usually quite extreme. So um, I, I think uh, these are the kind of things that get you to like $1,000 Luna or whatever. But you, you got to understand like that with scarcity comes ultra volatility, right? So the fact that volatility is rising actually is a bellwether for massive upward moves in my view. If you notice that a weekly chart I posted today, um, uh, I post a lot of shit, so it's like it's hard to keep up. But uh, the weekly Fibonacci extensions um, have actually extended out quite substantially with this most recent drop. And um, the reason why that happens is, is Fib extensions will be wider in terms of upside with more volatility. So the deeper the dump, the bigger the rip is what it, what it ends up meaning, and especially true of scarce assets. Um, there, there really isn't a model for anything historically in the world of um, crypto and certainly not in the world of traditional finance that I'm aware of that has this degree of forced scarcity 
um, upon it. And um, so to say that it's it's uh, possible to really predict um, which way things are going to go is really hard. But just notice that when there's when the scarcity environment's there, you, short positions can also create a lot of push to the downside, um, and those shouldn't make you necessarily afraid. In fact, if you're a long-term holder, the volatility is an absolute boon. It implies just absolutely breathtaking moves that are going to come afterwards. So um, this is just how this stuff works. Okay, so it, it's true of Bitcoin. It's true of any of the sort of scarce assets. So really, of the scarcity assets, the biggest ones right now are uh, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, and Luna, with Luna being the most ultra-deflationary or hyper-deflationary of them all. And um, some others like Avalanche uh, have fixed supply, um, you know, such that like eventually uh, these these kinds of effects will happen, but not in the short term comparatively. So you'll have some of these coins have a really high supply emission early on. And they're built to ha uh, do that to sort of bolster um, token distribution and adoption. And uh, Luna's different in that uh, it started out with max supply, and every new UST that's printed leads to lower supply of Luna ultimately. And total liquid supply, we're down uh, below 25% all Luna has been burned so far. And then circulating supply, which includes you know things like staking and such. Um, I think right now we're at the highest staked level at about 41 to 42% of all Luna staked. Um, it's actually good that it's not all staked in a way because it just means that there's more yield for those of us who are uh, staking our Luna, which is nice. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, the, the yield is distributed among less total people if uh, less people are actually staked. And um, that in a way is good. I guess it's good if more stakers arrive too, because it's good for the security of the network, but you know, that'll happen naturally. It's fine. Um, but yeah, hopefully that uh, answers your question. It, it, you, I think the immediate effect um, is hard to say. Um, there's a memification effect too, in that when people see that happening, they're seeing like, oh, look, UST is being minted and um, Luna is being burned. Um, it might influence your behavior directly and you might get some more as a result as well, right? So uh, it, it's hard to sort of like fully uh, clarify what the effect of say a meme effect is, what the effect of the actual scarcity is, um, when actual supply shock actually happens on centralized exchanges and when that totally overwhelms things like short interest and things of that nature. It's, it's really tough to uh, give timing for that, but um, uh, net effect I think is good. In that, you know, let's say a year from now, you have another 50% drop in circulating supply. I'd be willing to bet there'd be a supply shock somewhere between now and this coming year, right? Like, so I think over those timeframes, you can make some expectations over like the course of a day or two. Don't bother to try to, you know, time that kind of market. It won't make that much difference. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Capricious here. What's going on, man? Hey, mate. <laughs> uh Apparently, I just found out that you guys are having some real estate talks earlier on, which I which I missed out on, such as life. Uh, but um, as far as with the the volatility of Luna and the scarcity uh, with uh, you know higher amounts staked, I just, one of the things to sort of keep in mind is that it's um, where you start to see that crazy volatility is the fact that you know there's there's less Luna in the actual supply that can be directly impacting the price. 
but then that also means that you you're going to end up with a higher ratio of the um, of the of the synthetics and the derivatives compared to the actual underlying asset. That's one of the other things that that ends up uh, seeing those those crazy swings. So it means yeah, there's there's some great opportunities for um for for grid trading for arbitrage uh for you know buying buying the dips um that will be ridiculous uh and then just watching those um watching those blow-offs the only problem that you have with um with luna with trying to uh to time a blow-off is what's what's a blow-off that's going to fall and what's just a glass ceiling that is just going to continue blasting the ever-living hell out of <laughs> yeah i have a simple view luna. I have a simple view in crypto and um, and in particular Luna. I think to me, like uh, a, 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 a blow off would be something like a thousand percent gain over the period of like one year. This would be like BTC, you know, going into like 2017, for example. Um, that would be an example of a really long term global FOMO type of event. Anything short of that, and I think uh, selling is just gambling. Yeah, absolutely. In other, words, um, in other words, you can keep trying. People can keep trying to trade their way above me, but I'm almost guaranteed I'm going to kick your ass if you try. <laughs> like, uh, so, so, I, like in the long history of like um, really, really important assets, whether it's uh, you know tech stocks or you know whatever, the 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 S curve is something you don't want to ever really gamble with. You sort of add to it and maybe you could trade off the volatility a little bit, you know, in some sort of like really, really highly defined method, like a rebalancer. But outside of that, I think it's, um, it, uh, it, uh, for most people, for most people, I think, uh, uh, uh trading won't get them ahead unless they're really super careful. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, especially considering there's also, a number of ways that you can you can profit off of that volatility, you know, with things uh, like Orca, where you can sit there and go, well, I couldn't time the bottom to, to save myself, so I'm going to wait until the market times it for me uh, with everyone's loans getting liquidated. Yeah, and, so, and yeah. there's certain assets too, like you think about it this way, like how greedy do you want to get? Like if I'm pretty sure I can turn a million dollars into a billion, like how fucking greedy do people need to get that they have to mess with that opportunity? It just doesn't even make sense. So asymmetric bets on really, really, um, high quality, um, you know, once in a generation or twice in a generation uh, type of uh, events, you know, you just don't want to sort of overthink those things, right? Like uh, whether it was a Bitcoin, whether it was Apple, whether it was Google, whether it was, you know, any of the big sort of like uh, network effect plays, um, you know, like how many other mega network effect plays do you know of today? that is bigger than uh, than luna which is the literal money printer it prints money as a thing like there's not even a there's no comparison in the history of the world right like so i i do recommend generally again call this financial advice call it whatever it is but when you own a money printer like you know don't gamble your way into oblivion that's for sure that absolutely be very, very careful okay the, the majority of, of of my net worth is definitely in luna for a reason uh, <laughs> Although, uh, like one of the other one of the other things people just sort of have to be very mindful of is that where that volatility has has fantastic upsides, uh, if they are using um, collateral, that those downswings can can seriously come back to bite them in the ass. So you know, watching things like your um, your liquidation levels on on Anchor Borrow and the likes, because um, otherwise you're going to be someone else's uh, fantastic Orca 
uh, big trigger. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my philosophy is, uh, my personal philosophy is that I'm not borrowing off of more than um, 25% or less of my collateral at any given moment. And that's a very cautious approach. It allows me to manage LTV at any given moment. And it makes my cost of borrowing essentially almost nominally free with almost no real serious like uh, risk. And simultaneously, I'm getting a little extra that um, I would not have gotten with simple staking or something like that, right? So uh, definitely curtailing greed is an important, uh, like a uh, good measure. Because again, when you have something that's asymmetrically that good, um, you, you don't, I have one rule and that's never lose any Luna, right? Like that's, the, that's rule number one. And that there's a reason for that. <laughs> so I try to never break that rule. And that prevents um, most of the kind of like heartache that people are going to face. Yeah, and, and everyone says it. Too. Everyone says it too. Afterwards, you're like, "Oh, you know, yeah, I shouldn't have done this, and I shouldn't have gotten liquidated, and I shouldn't have, you know, tried to time the market back when it was at five dollars or whatever. I should have, woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? But like, when you're on the S curve of an asset, you don't want to miss the biggest gains, uh, regardless um, of whatever. Like, most people have like a bunch of idiotic trading theories that actually do them in, <laughs> and uh, you, 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 like, you don't take an asset, in my opinion, uh, that has so much relative upside. So the audio get rugged. I think Steffi got rugged. Yeah, uh, things sort of disappeared on in there. We went a, went a little bit quiet. I was just yeah. going to say that um, as as great as it is to be able to use something like Anchor Borrow, I just wish that there was an option that uh, in the event that I did get liquidated, uh, take the UST that I borrowed first, leave my precious lunar alone. <laughs> that I feel you. It's it's a it's a thing, you know. It's not it's not a it's almost like become the new Bitcoin. Like I don't want to sell any of my Luna at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I I literally went through uh, that a week or so ago and pretty much liquidated about 90% of the different tokens that I had that were outside of the Terra ecosystem uh, and just went, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this debt. Uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, accept a lovely little um, uh, tax write-off for, uh, for the glowing red uh, markers that we've got here on, on a bunch of things that I think that um, are just bound for zero anyway and uh, use that as an opportunity to keep just um, stacking Luna. Yeah, it's a good time to do it. It's like sale prices everywhere. Um, yeah. Almost all the altcoins are just like stagging, you know, and it's, uh, it's really interesting to see with, uh, you know, Doquan and, and new partnerships with Sam and new partnerships with Beethoven, new partnerships everywhere. It's really fantastic. And uh, mm -hmm. if, if, if you all didn't get a chance to listen to the AMA earlier with um, Beethoven X and Stater, um, it was really great because I was waiting to sort of hear. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was a CFI space, Terra, Luna, AVAX, UST Today, recorded on Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Luart. Luart is the first gamified NFT platform built on the Terra network. Luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience, all while earning you rewards just for being a user. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the community in the Discord server for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new NFT launches, platform upgrades, and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace. Are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more 
at luart.io. This episode of the Ether was also brought to you by Intern Capital. Everyone knows interns make the world go round, so when it comes to picking out your interns, make sure you choose the best. The best you say, that's right, the best. And everyone knows all the best interns come from Intern Capital. Be sure to follow Intern Capital on Twitter and keep an eye out April 14th for the Intern FT Mint launching on One Planet. Links are in the show notes. And for more information, check out intern.capital. Be sure to follow Intern Capital on Twitter for daily ship posts and stock tips. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue. When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London, the rules are confusing, so let loose the juices and try not to act like they tightened up the noose. These fools are abused like a problem stepchild, ruling the coop with some modest exile. I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles, a comfy padded room where I'm walking my best miles. So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving them up with the platter of bait behind the curtain. Up with the curse, it's absurd to swerve it, letting these nerds know the weight was worth it. I'm perking up while I serve in some bullshit. This ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans. Opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth. It's getting on my nerves, so let's make them feel nervous. Tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It's spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So lock it down locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your privacy Sign on the dotted line and wave your rights and wave goodbye and pay no mind. You gotta wash the brain and erase the time. Now shut the fuck up while we wait in line. Spaces. <laughs>